Matthew 15. Uh, when we were over in Ireland, uh, of course, there were other ministers there besides me, and this, this one pastor uh, from uh, Western, on the west coast of Ireland, uh, was uh, just kind of doing an introduction. And he mentioned this verse, and uh, this is in Matthew 15, the story of the Syrophoenician woman. How many messages have we taught just on the Syrophoenician woman? Well, a lot, right? And we've taught it in great detail. And so, uh, but uh, he, was, he was mentioning here, uh, you know, this whole story. And, but specifically, he said, uh, in relation to Matthew fifteen sixteen, where Jesus answered and said, it is not meat or not good or not appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And so she was wanting deliverance and healing for her daughter. And so he called the healing the children's bread. Uh, and, he, and he made a point that I thought, thought was just excellent, so I thought I would share it with you. Uh, you know, the Lord could have, could have used an analogy for anything. You know, he said, it's not, he, could, he, said he might could have said it's not meat to take the children's wealth and give it to the, to the dogs, right? Uh, anything. He could have used any analogy, but he decided to use bread. And he said he used bread because bread is such a common thing. Uh, it is not a, a, you know, like cheesecake that you have once every six months, right? Uh, or uh, or a chocolate pie, right? That you have every every Thanksgiving, right? Uh, like clockwork, once a year, it was bread. Nearly every meal you have uh, has bread with it, uh, and it's a common thing. And the point was, Jesus wanted to make the point that healing should be a common thing for us. It should not be, wow, I got healed, and, and it will never happen again. No, it should be as common as bread. Amen. Uh, how often do you eat bread? I mean, it's nearly every day, right? Uh, and um, I know when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have anything. We didn't have bacon and eggs for breakfast. That's what rich people did, you know. Uh, for years, my breakfast was toast. That was it. Not, not, not uh, uh, with, with, well, I did get to have butter on it, like real butter, right? Like not margarine butter, like real butter. It was toast and butter, and that was it. Uh, there was no, uh, we didn't have milk. We didn't have orange juice. We didn't have coffee. We had bread, right? And, uh. Maybe we were prisoners of war. I don't know, but uh, uh, but that was it. I mean, just bread. For the, that, that that was our breakfast. Amen. And you know, sometimes you know you have two, three, four, five slices of bread because you know it can only go so far. But uh, uh, and so, <laughs> but it was bread. Uh, and so, uh, and I'm still fond of bread. Uh, now we, uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, by law you were required to eat only white bread growing up, uh, and you know the sticky sticks to the roof of your mouth, right? And um, I hadn't eaten a slice of white bread. I don't, you know, I, I'm a grown man now. I don't have to eat white bread anymore. I can eat whatever I want to. Uh, and so, um, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, healing should be a common occurrence uh, in the body of Christ. He said it belongs to us. It's, he called it the children's bread. It belongs to the children. Well, who are the children of God? We are. So healing belongs to us, and it should be a common occurrence. Amen? Because, you know, your body wants to act up on a regular basis and so you just have to maintain that the, the health of that body you got to speak to it i'm speaking to my body all the time no i'm not having that uh and i can't tell you how many times i've had to deal with uh you know aches or pains or whatever no i'm not living that way and i can't tell you even from from well you know not to throw anybody in the bus but even from folks in our church they say well you just wait till you get older <laughs> i'm not confessing that uh amen because uh, uh, Moses was 120 years old, not even saved. Amen. He wasn't a child of God. He was a servant of the Most High God. We are children of God. But as a servant of God, the Bible says that he, when he was 20, 120, went home to be with the Lord, that his, his eyes were not dim and his natural forces were not abated. In other words, his strength was not diminished. He was 120. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> Moses found some things that much of the church hasn't found. Well, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you the eternal life of God living inside of you. And if you'll yield to that, you know, healing can be a natural occurrence that you just get healed just on a regular basis. If a little thing shows up, you just speak to it and it goes away. Amen. And if it doesn't go away, you continue to speak to it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not quitting. Amen. Um, some things uh, leave immediately. Some things it takes a, a period of time for it to leave. I don't know why that is oftentimes. You know, some things you just, I don't know why. Just, some things just take more more effort, more uh, commitment there. Uh, and, then, of course, some things, you know, sometimes we just get busy. Like, ah, I need to pray for that, but, you know, I'm going to wait till I'm spiritual sometime, and then, well, that may not happen for six months, right? Uh, and so uh, sometimes you put it off and, and thinking it'll just go away on its own. Uh, but, um, no, healing should be a natural 
common occurrence. It shouldn't be, wow, you know, I was healed. You remember 18 years ago, I was healed supernaturally. That's great. But, uh, you know, you can't be healed on a regular basis each and every day. Amen. And we don't have to suffer under the, under the maladies of, of old age, uh, in spite of what some people try to put on you, right? Well, you just wait till you get older. You're going to be like me. <laughs> it's not my goal. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, is the Lord good? Well, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute. Amen. You've not withheld your hand from your people. For the Spirit of God, Father, for the church. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're the great and mighty God, the King of the earth, the King of all the universe. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for your presence, for your goodness and kindness mercy we worship you and you alone father we thank you that from you comes all things healing father comes from you deliverance comes from you soundness of mind father comes from you we thank you father fullness of joy comes from you to be full of the joy of heaven, even while we work, walk the days on the earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for watching over us each and every day. We give you all praise and honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. We appreciate His goodness and kindness. And, you know, we serve a big God, but you know what I encourage uh, everyone is to know that God is big. Amen. To believe that He's big. And, you know, oftentimes, just in my own personal uh, time with the Lord, just uh, even between here and there, I'm always telling the Lord, you know, you're a big God. You're kind and you're merciful and you extend your hand to your people. I, you know, a lot of times I'll just, uh, just, you know, Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, when I'm doing that, I'm blessing the Lord, which to me is an amazing statement that a, a human being made out of dust and clay has the capacity to bless the Almighty God. But you do. You know, you have the capacity to bless the Lord. Amen. I know He blesses us, but you can bless Him. And so I'd encourage you, bless Him. Tell Him how big He is, how good He is, how kind He is, how wonderful He is. Amen. Because he is all those things, but it, it solidifies that in your heart. So when somebody comes up to you and says, well, God did this thing to me. No, he didn't do that to you. No God I serve would have done that to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so I was telling somebody, I was reading something the other day. Oh, no, I was telling Jerry, you know, uh, that uh, uh, people just casually say things as if it's gospel. And they were, they, they were talk, I was looking up some information about uh, something else. But, you know, sometimes you have to uh, read through all the sticks before you can get to the hay, right? And so, but their opening sentence was something to the effect that, well, you know, God puts us through difficult and hard times to purify us. That is the biggest lie in the whole world. God is, not, God is wanting you. He's got stuff for you to do. He's not messing with you. Hey, watch this. I'm going to pluck a leg off them and see if they can get through life without one, without one leg. Like what? Like we're ants and bugs. No. You know, he may need you to go into a difficult situation to help somebody. And I have been sent to difficult situations to help people. He's not putting me in that difficult situation to, to purify me. He, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. How can I get more pure than that? But they just say things casually like that. No reference, no Bible, no, no, no scripture for their backing up of their total lack of faith and belief because they're not having victory in these, these difficult circumstances. My Bible says that this is the victory that overcometh the world, even my what? My faith. So if, if, I, if I've got the victory in every circumstance, then so what if I go through a difficult circumstance? I've got the victory. People go through, oh, it's so hard. No, if you walk in, I have arrived. That's my attitude. I have arrived. With faith and victory in my hand, what would you like to do? 
You can lose now or you can lose later, but you're going to lose. That's my, that's, because if I got the victory, that's my, so if it's a difficult situation, so be it. You know, sometimes you've got to go into difficult situations. The Bible says you can even, uh, uh, to this, essentially snatch people out of the fires of hell. Well, if you're going to do that, you know, it might be a little uncomfortable for you to go into that situation and snatch them out of the fires of hell. Amen? Well, uh, who else can do it? We're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've got to go into the fires of hell to snatch somebody out sometimes, right? They came out not even smelling like smoke. That's right. Amen? Oh, it's so hard getting thrown in the fire. Not if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't. Of course, they said, you know, it doesn't matter if God uh, protects us from it or not. We're still serving God, you know. They had the right attitude, although I wouldn't quite make that confession because it almost like maybe the Lord won't, right? No, I'm, I'm not going to really say it that way, right? I'm going to say, it doesn't matter. Throw me in the fire. God will protect me. That's Amen. Uh, and so not to diminish Shadrach. I mean, you know, I've not been thrown in a fire. The guys that threw the guys into the fire, remember they got burned up? That's how hot it was, right? You ever been close to a fire? <laughs> you, ever, you ever thrown gasoline on a fire? Uh, uh, watch this, you know, uh, and you throw the gas in a fire. And uh, I'll do that one time, and it's just like a, a, a small explosion happened, right? Because you, you, you put gas, nothing happens, right? So what you should do is put more gas on it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, and you throw a match and nothing happens. Well, then you throw more gas on it, right? And then eventually, you know, the earthquakes, and okay, it, it caught fire. Uh, and so, uh, no, people say things like that all the time. Well, you know, God puts you through difficult to purify you. You know, I can read the Word of God and listen to the Spirit of God and get all the purity that I need. Because He does chastise me. He does purify me in a sense of Him speaking to me and say, hey, straighten up, don't do that again. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that, you know, according to your Word. He doesn't have to break a leg or send you through uh, sickness and disease to purify you and teach you. There's no Bible for that. There's no scripture ba scriptural basis for that other than that's our meager attempt to explain our difficult circumstances. Uh, and uh, just let me talk to you for five minutes, and I could probably tell you why you're going through those difficult situations. Amen? Yeah, it doesn't take a prophet of God to know that. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm always the one to get sick. Right, there you go, right? Oh, you know, I'm always, you know I never can make it in life. What else would you like to know, right? Uh, what's that? Yeah, here's your sign right there, right? And so, you know, I can, uh, and it's not that, that you've got to be super spiritual to, to discern that. But most people, if you, if you look at their lives, well, how, why am I here? Well, just let me spend a few minutes with you, and I'll tell you exactly why you're there. Amen? Because you ought to be able to spend five minutes with me tell me exactly why I'm where I'm at. Amen? Are you lined up with the Word of God? Do you talk like heaven? Do you talk like the Lord Jesus? Do you believe? I will not, I will not fail. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be overcome. You know, that, is, is that what you're saying? Or is it like, oh, it's so hard. So God's putting me through this, you know, to purify me. Well, when does it end? Amen? You know, people love to pull up Job, and we're not going to go through all that again, but Job spent 42 chapters. You know, Job could have been just two chapters, right? 42 chapters. You know, you have to get past chapter 3 to about chapter 40, uh, 39 or so. It's just blah, 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 blah. His friend's going, well, it's you're a terrible person. And his next friend going, yes, you're a terrible person. And Job's like, I'm not really that bad. Oh, you're a terrible person. With friends like that, right, who needs enemies? Uh, but at the end of the day, what did Job do? He repented. That's what changed the course and direction of Job's life. It wasn't God deciding, well, I'm going to take it back off him. Job, well, if Job had repented, then that means Job had done something wrong. And if Job had done something wrong, then what was the cause of all his problems in his life? He was self-inflicted. Amen? And so if you're just going through a, a long period of difficult times, struggling and everything's bad, I would go, Lord, I just repent of like everything. Just, you know, I would just start at the top and go to the bottom. Amen. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dodie Osteen was John Osteen's wife, right? Which is Joel Osteen's mom. Uh, and um, is she still here? I don't know if she's still on the earth. Is she still on the earth? Praise God. Uh, she outlasted her faith husband by decades, right? He'd been gone a long time. Uh, but she, got, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's like, I think it was brain cancer. Uh, they, uh, she'd been feeling bad and went to the doctor and they finally did all the, all the tests and examinations on her. Of course, this was a, a, a little while ago. Uh, they probably could have done more now, but they said, you need to go home and die because there's nothing we can do. There's li you're, you're so far uh, into this cancer, there's nothing we can do. So she, she's like, no. I, that may be your report. My report from the Lord God is I'm the healed of God. 
And so she went about uh, uh, dealing with it, and, and so she did several things. One is she told her kids, don't you ever treat me like I've got cancer. I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to vacuum. Don't come up and take the vacuum from me. I'm going to vacuum the house, right? Uh, do people still vacuum houses? I don't know, you know. We got hardwood floors, so, but, uh, and we got this little robot that does all the work for us anyway, which is, hey, vacuum. And it just it goes and does it, right? The cats like chase it. But, uh, and so uh, if I'm going to uh, clean the house, I'm going to clean the house. Don't you uh, treat me like I'm sick. Amen. And then, and then she went about, she sent a letter to anybody she'd ever had any, any conflict with at all. I want you to know that I forgive you and I ask you to forgive me. Uh, and it wasn't even that she had an unction that she had done something wrong. She's just clearing all the bases. You know, sometimes it's good to clear all the bases. Even if you hadn't done anything wrong, Lord, I repent anyway. Well, what'd you do wrong? I don't know. I just want to make sure we're good, right? Uh, you know, and sometimes it's just good to do that so you know you're, get, get set back right with the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be, Lord. Now let's fix this thing. And she did. She recovered. Outlasted her husband, amen, by a long shot. Uh, not to diminish uh, 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 Brother John or anything at all, uh, but um, uh, she did the work, amen? Uh, did God put that on her to teach her anything? No. Well, we'll put it on her. DNA, right? Air. It does, who cares where the source of it was, amen? She dealt with everything she needed to deal with before that. Uh, and so I just, sometimes I just wonder about the church. Why, why, why is it so important for us to, to accuse the Lord God of everything that the devil is doing. Jesus told us that it's, that it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so if it's looking like stealing, if it looks like uh, killing, if it looks like destroying, it's got to be the devil. If, you're, if you say, well, you know, that's just killing me and it's God, well, then you've said God is just like the devil. They're in competition. Now, God's trying to heal you at the same time that he's trying to put sickness on you. But that's really weird. Why would he do that? That's just, uh, and I know, you know, this should be, hopefully this is not new information. It's like, really? Hold around here, we know that this is not new information. Uh, but um, uh, this is, it is not difficult, amen? If you know that God is a good God, that's half your doctrine right there, amen? Uh, and good in the common sense of good, right? Well, he's good, he put cancer on me. That, no, that's not, in what world is that good? Well, you know, uh, so we know better, amen, uh, and we're going we're gonna to believe that. Uh, and yet, uh, in the church, I mean, it's so pervasive that God will do these things to you, uh, and so commonplace that they act like it's just obvious. It should be intuitively obvious that God is, is putting you through difficult situations to purify because his word is completely insufficient, his spirit is completely too weak to do it, his knowledge of, of what he's done for us it cannot do it. He has to put you through natural physical, difficult situations to purify you spiritually, which uh, doesn't even make any sense, amen? Uh, just walking around sense, and so uh, we're not upset about it. I sound a little upset about it, but uh, I am, okay, all right, I'm a little upset about it, uh, and so, because it diminishes God's power in our life when we say things like that, amen? Uh, and, and not only that, it allows people to remain in their difficulties without knowing that there's a way out, uh, and so they'll suffer for years thinking God is putting them through that not knowing that any, any day all they had to say is enough and it would have come to an end. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's open up our Bible to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 7. We'll continue with uh, um, the Sermon on the Mount here. And uh, actually, I was looking at my notes. We're getting pretty close to the end, right? Uh, another four, five, six years. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll sail right through it. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we had talked last week about the gate, right? The, the path to heaven that the path to heaven is narrow just because there's not much tra traffic in that direction, amen? Uh, the, the traffic towards uh, uh, the pits of hell is wide and broad, amen? There's a large group of people heading that way as fast as they can. Uh, and the, the way to heaven uh, is straight. And, and the only difficulty that you have, because it talks about that, the, that when it talks about narrow is the way, it's talking about that there's difficulty in the way. That difficulty is not from heaven. That difficulty is people trying to get you to not continue in that path. Amen? People just despise people that are heading to heaven. Uh, even people in the church despise other people in the church who are headed to heaven. There's something about sin that misery loves company. And they will try to get you off of that path. It, it makes them uncomfortable because you are on your way to heaven. And, and look, I've just gotten to the point in my life where if, if my righteousness makes you uncomfortable, that's not my problem. Amen? I'm not trying to be self-righteous. 
I'm not trying to lord it over you. I'm not trying to show you how good I am compared to you. But, you know, there's things that I won't do, things I won't say, places I won't go. And, and some people, that makes them uncomfortable. Well, you know, you just think you're better than us. Or, 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 you know, your righteousness makes me uncomfortable. So they will go about to destroy your righteousness. They will go about to try and get you off your path. And oftentimes they succeed. Uh, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's just a little thing. Just do this little thing. It's okay. Don't be so self-righteous. Uh, and, you, and, you know, it's not self-righteous to be righteous. Amen? My righteousness is not self-made. My righteousness is in God, in Christ Jesus. Amen? And it's perfectly fine to be a righteous Christian. Amen? It's perfectly fine not to, not to do the things of the world. Uh, and, and it doesn't bother me when people, well, you know, you, you should live a little. I'm living a wonderful days of heaven on the earth. How much better could it be than that? Uh, your sin is not going to make my days of heaven any better. Amen? Your lack of faith is not going to make my days of heaven any better. Now, and so it, it is, uh, it is uh, uh, straight, it is narrow, which leads to life, and few there be that find it. it it's, you know, it's, that's really sad. That We don't know what percentage few is, but it's not a lot, right? I mean, just numerically, few is typically three. So it's three out of 100, uh, and, and maybe that's even generous. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, there's not a lot of folks heading to heaven. Amen? We are definitely swimming upstream uh, against the, the course and direction of the world, uh, but that's okay. You know, if the church could appreciate that our life as a child of God is the absolute best possible life you could ever live, if we would believe that, we wouldn't have any trouble living for the Lord. Amen? I mean, how much better could it be if you're perfectly healed, perfectly happy, perfectly uh, prosperous, perfectly delivered, perfectly uh, uh, have a sound mind? How much better could it be than that? I don't know. You know, well, it'd be better if you'd sin some. Really? And then open up myself to the devil and become sick like you and grumpy like you and mad like you and bitter like you? Yeah, that's, I, you just, where do I sign up? Right? I mean, who, who wants that, right? But, you know, much of the church, if you compare the church, the, the average church to the world, we're not much different, right? Broke, sad, depressed, bitter, unhappy. And then we go out in the world and say, be like me. And, we're, and the world's like, where are you like you? You know, where's the distinction? We should be different than the world, amen? Uh, we should be the inspiration of the world. You know, you know, much of the world, if you go to like corporate training, of course, Chris is in the corporate world. I'm not there anymore. I used to be there. You go to corporate training, and, and all they're doing is trying to espouse Christian principles without acknowledging God. Be kind, be you know, uh, generous, right? be honest, uh, have ethics. Uh, but we, wanted, we didn't want to acknowledge God. Well, who, who defined what those things are? God defines who, what those things are. You know, the hardest thing for an atheist is to ask them, well, where does morality come from? Who decides we're right and wrong? Well, society does. No, they don't. The, 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 the people who go, you know, this is right and this is wrong. Well, how do you know that's right and wrong? Because there's a God in heaven. That's how you know. Amen? And now they won't acknowledge the God in heaven, but that's how we know. That's how humanity knows. The dog and cats, they don't know right from wrong, right? I mean, they just do whatever they want to do. They don't know anything. They don't have any insight into right and wrong, but humanity does because there's a God in heaven. Uh, and so then, then Jesus, he changed course here just a little bit he says beware of and this is verse 15 uh, he says beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves you shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every good tree brings forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. It's interesting that Jesus uh, specifically called out false prophets. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening or hungry wolves. Uh, and so, of course, we know in the New Testament that uh, there are five minister gifts that Paul calls out in Ephesians 4.11, right? It's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Amen? And do those five ministry gifts operate in the church today? They do, because he says that they were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so you have to ask yourself the question then, 
If, if they're not here, then they must have achieved their goal of perfecting the saints. Well, just look to your right, look to your left, and it should be obvious the saints have not been perfected, right? Uh, we've got work to do, amen? Uh, and so uh, if the saints have not been perfected, uh, which just means to be matured, right? Uh, if they have not been fully matured, then there still and always will be a need for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher in the body of Christ, amen? Now, some people are of the opinion, well, these things don't exist anymore. I don't know why they say that, right? Because uh, the, the New Testament clearly tells us what, what would be the cause for them no longer to be needed. Uh, and, and any uh, sane person would have to come to the conclusion, well, we have not arrived there yet. So those ministry gifts are still necessary today. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we, don't have a, we, don't, we don't have time to go through all of those ministry gifts and the purpose of those ministry gifts in the New Testament. Uh, we, we've talked about those before. Maybe one of these days we'll go back and, and address those individually there. Uh, but Jesus specifically called out uh, false prophets. Now, do prophets exist in the church today? They do. Amen. Do they, did they exist in, in the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant? They did. Uh, and, and prophets uh, really are, are fairly unique in the sense that they were in the, uh, identified in the Old Covenant. They're identified in the New Covenant. Uh, but their purpose and intent in the New Testament are different than the purpose and intent in the Old Covenant. And so, you know, in the Old Covenant, if you needed God, you had to go find a prophet, right? I need, to, I need a word from heaven. I got to go, go find a prophet. Speak to me, seer, right? They were called seers. Say something from heaven. Even the kings, you know, the kings would go, we need, we need a prophet. Remember Jehoshaphat? Uh, is there a prophet? Amen. We may even talk about one of those that uh, Jehoshaphat mentions. Uh, it's a good story there. Uh, and so, they would have to go find, we need to know something from heaven, let's go find us a prophet. Well, in the New Testament, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? Everywhere you go, you have, the New you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen? So if you need to hear from heaven, heaven can speak to you directly. Amen? Now, could heaven also speak to you by a prophet in the New Testament? He could and he does. Amen? In the Old Testament, the prophet's primary job was to... Was to uh, foretell the future, right? These things are going to ask. We got, we got the major prophets and in the Old Testament, right? We got, you got Ezekiel, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah. You got the minor prophets, you know, you got Amos and Obadiah, Jonah and Habakkuk and those guys. And I'm sure when we get to heaven, they're like, I really wasn't that minor. Don't call me minor, right? Uh, and so I don't know why we call them minor, but you know, they're minor because they, their books are short. And, and, and I'm sure Amos would be like, I'm not long-winded, long you know, Obadiah is only one chapter, right? He's like, hey, I said what I had to say, and I got it over with, right? Isaiah, it's like, oh, 66 chapters, like, come on, say it, get it over with, right? Uh, and so maybe there's a discussion in heaven about, you know, who really is the minor prophet, I don't know. Uh, but, um, not, you know, that's just what we call them, it's not scriptural, that's just what we call them. Uh, and so, uh, but those prophets were primarily telling us what was going to happen in the future, amen? But a lot of times they would also correct uh, and, uh, and rebuke the nation of Israel for them backsliding. And so uh, that was a lot of their job. You know, uh, Isaiah did that, Elijah, Elijah did a lot of that. You didn't see that as much in Elisha, but you saw that with more in Elijah's ministry. Uh, but then when we come in the New Testament, you know, the, the, the New Testament prophet is not so much to tell the future, although they do on occasion. But again, you go back to Ephesians 4.11, their job is to perfect the saints. Amen. Uh, and so a lot of what the prophet's ministry does in the New Testament is speak by sudden inspiration uh, and, and uh, operates typically in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and tells us things about things that are going on in our life and how to fix those things. Uh, and also they will often have uh, uh, things like uh, the working of miracles or um, gifts of healing and operation. But primarily they're there to be uh, to speak by sudden inspiration of of where is the church at today and where do we need to go? And so like Brother Randy, you know, he, he stands in the office of the prophet. He comes and, and part, of, part of the reason why uh, I like staying connected to his ministry because God will speak to him about the current course and direction of the church as a whole and things we need to do, right? And so one of the, the last things he was talking about is that we need to pray, pray specifically for our nation. Uh, and the church has not done its job. We have the capacity, even you know, little Christians in little towns and in, in, in little cities of the, world, of the country have the capacity to change the course and direction of our gigantic federal government if we will pray. Amen? We have that capacity. And we need to appreciate that we have the capacity. So a lot of times, the, the, especially the prophet's ministry is here in the New Testament to 
to encourage us and to exhort us in the areas that we have neglected in the church. It's not new information, but areas that we have neglected. And that's really Brother Hagin's ministry. Brother Hagin's doing the office of the prophet, really prophet and teacher. His primary job, if you look at all of his writings, was to reignite our interest and our uh, appreciation of what the Word of God has always told us in the area of healing, primarily in faith, right, in overcoming things. If you read Brother Hagin's writings, it, it's, not, it's not like new information, amen? It's stuff that, you know, how to be led by the Spirit of God. I think one of his greatest books was How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. It's been in the Bible forever, for thousands of years. But much of the church wanders through life, has no idea how to get by in life. But the Spirit of God in, in the New Testament can tell you how to get by in life. You don't have to go find a prophet to get by in life. But the prophet will say, hey, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Really? Yes, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Here's how to do it. Oh, okay, I can do that. So that's, that's part of the job of the prophet. Amen? Is to get the church. So uh, what's not the job of the prophet is to tell you things that you don't know about in the New Testament. Amen? You should never be prophesied by a prophet and, and, uh, over, and, and what you hear is something that you had never considered before. I'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations. Really? I don't even like to go to the mailbox. Right? How am I going to be a prophet to the nations? Amen? <clears throat> and uh, I, I know uh, a person that I know in particular said that, well, I was prophesied that I'm supposed to have a worldwide youth uh, ministry. Worldwide. And, and, and they said, I don't even like to leave my cats. Well, you know, uh, you know the Lord's going to start telling you the day you got uh, saved, here's what I want you to do. And you'll have an unction about that. You may not know how to do anything about it. You may not know how to, how to uh, apply it, how to follow it, how, how to cause it to come to pass. But you'll know about it. Amen? And when they speak to you, you go, yeah, that's, that's what I've been sensing all this time. Instead of, really? Yeah, I know the, uh, people we went to church with. I know after my pastor died many years ago, <clears throat> I was traveling one day, and they had this guest speaker. I just happened to miss that uh, particular service there. I, don't, you, or I think you were there at that service. I missed that particular one there. Uh, and this fellow prophesied over everybody, right? And, and, and one lady in particular, uh, he prophesied over her. He said, you are a prophet to the nations, well, the only prophet to the nations in the Old Testament was Jeremiah, right? He was a prophet to Israel and a prophet to e Egypt. And so he, I mean, Isaiah was a prophet only to, to Israel, right? Ezekiel was only a prophet to, to uh, Israel. But Jeremiah was a prophet to two nations. Uh, and, and now this person before that, before he said anything to her, had she taught Sunday school, right? Um, she'd gone to the jail ministry a couple times. Uh, and maybe, I think, taught adult Sunday school class once. Never been outside the church to preach. Never been outside the city to preach. Never been outside the state or the country to preach. But suddenly she's going to go from nothing to being a prophet to the nations. That's a pretty big upgrade, right? I mean, if you look at the progression of the people in the, in the Bible, you had, uh, like Philip is a good example. Philip was doing the work in the church. And then the Lord said, okay, let's make it formal. Now you're a deacon. Uh, but he was doing the work of the deacon before because the Bible said they were operating in, in signs and wonders and miracles. He was doing the work. And so then he got recognized for doing the work. Then he got assigned to that. Later on, then he became an evangelist. Amen. He was called Philip the evangelist. Uh, Paul, the same thing. Paul was just a guy. And then he was preaching for many years. And then it says in Acts 13, 1, that they were uh, in the church at this time, there was prophets and teachers. And he named uh, uh, Paul and it was Barnabas. And so uh, Paul was, a, was a, a prophet or a teacher. And the Lord said, then, then the Lord said, I'm going to separate him for the, for the work that I've called him to. And then the, he then he became Paul the apostle. But he was just a disciple. Then he was a teacher. Then he was a prophet. Then he became an apostle. So there was a progression for Paul over many years. Uh, and, and so it's, it's just, we don't see the Lord going from just zero to automatically you're this, this major one, right? The only exception I see uh, is uh, uh, on a rare occasion he will do that. He did that with the apostles. But even with the apostles, they were with Jesus a period of time before he called them apostles. Now, Elisha was a prophet but he served Elijah for 11 years before he was called to do that. And so, you know, uh, there, when somebody prophesies like that over somebody, everybody around them will go, yeah, we've seen that for years. That's what, it, that's what should happen. In the New Testament, that would happen, right? Somebody calls you out and says these things, and go, oh, yeah, we've done that for a long time. Right? It shouldn't be like, really? And it surely shouldn't be that way for you. If a prophet prophesies something over you, and you're like, what, really? 
you know, I'm supposed to, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be the next pastor of this church. Really? You know, I just like greeting the door, right? Uh, and so uh, we've got to be careful because the, 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 uh, the false prophets, you know, they've got ulterior motives in that. Uh, and, and so fortunately, we live in the New Testament. Amen. And so what I, I want to do, go through and spend a little time talking about uh, false prophets because it's a real problem in the church. Amen. There are people coming in saying that they're prophets, doing things that sound like prophets, and yet they're not prophets uh, according to the word of God. Amen. Uh, and it, so it's really easy. Now, for me, what, what I do is I just leave it alone. I mean, as far as, well, you know, I'm a prophet. Well, okay, you know, uh, I can judge you by your fruits. You know, if, do you have the fruits of a prophet? Well, let me see if you do. Uh, and so it could be that they are called to be a prophet, but, they, but they're not doing it well. It could be that they were never called to be a prophet. I, you know, their calling is none of my business. But as far as me accepting them as a prophet, that is my business because I have to either accept what they say is gospel or not. Uh, and so, uh, fortunately, we live in, in the New Testament. Amen? So let's, let's still go back uh, to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel, one of the major prophets, right? <clears throat> so you got... Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, it's only five chapters, and then Ezekiel. <clears throat> and let's turn over to ch chapter 22. And, you know, if you look up <clears throat> in the Word of God and you look up everything the Word of God says about false prophets specifically, it has actually a lot to say about it. So we're not going to go through everything the Word of God has to say about false prophets because we could be on this for, I mean, for maybe before the Lord Jesus gets back, we'd get done with it. Uh, but it does have to say a lot about it. So to me, if the Bible has a lot to say about false prophets, then we need to be aware of false prophets. Amen? Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, he says here, let's start in Ezekiel uh, 22 and uh, read verse 28. Starting at verse 28, it says, And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. Uh, and that is not a phrase that anybody in here has used any time recently, have you, right? Uh, and so adopt them with, with untempered more. So adopt means, you know, you, 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 you're putting stuff on like paint or something like that. And it's about whitewashing people. So the untempered mortar is the whitewash itself. Uh, and so the, you've daubed them with untempered mortar. So you're trying to make them look clean, right? And so that's what, that's what he said. The prophets have done that, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. That's the problem with the false prophets, right? They always stand up and say, the Lord has said this. And the Lord never said that, you know. Uh, and so, so, but how do you know? How do you know when it's the Lord and then when it's not the Lord? Well, that's what we need to find out, amen? How, uh, do, we have a, do we even have a right to judge that? You always have a right to judge anything that anybody says, amen? You don't judge the person? Well, they're not, you know, uh, they shouldn't be in the ministry at all. That's not my business, Amen. Uh, but I can't judge what they say uh, and say that's not God at all, amen? And, and usually it's pretty easy if we will allow that, but oftentimes we get so enamored and so infatuated with prophets. Oh, they're a prophet. Uh, and and then, then we start making up phrases like we, we call it the prophetic, right? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Well, I like, I like, I like the prophetic. That's not even a Bible word. And it sounds so pretentious to me. I just don't even like saying words like that because, oh, it's the prophetic. Because you've got to say it in hushed tones. It's the prophetic. You know, it's just, oh, wow. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, we, we don't, we don't uh, elevate people above uh, or up to deity. Amen? Uh, we're thankful for the ministry of the prophet. Like I said, Brother Hagin stood in the office of the prophet. Brother Randy stands in the office of the prophet. Uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, he stood in the office of the prophet. He eventually moved into the office of, of the apostle before he went on to be with the Lord. Uh, and so, but then, see, after he said that, that thus said the Lord when the Lord had not spoken... And then he says in verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and should stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So the judgment of the Lord was going to fall partly because, not entirely, but partly because of the false prophets. And it said I needed a man, not a prophet, I needed a man that would intercede and pray that this didn't happen. And he said I couldn't find anybody. People were so enamored in the prophets that, oh, they're speaking wonderful things, right? Uh, and so if they're speaking wonderful things, it's got to be God. And nobody's praying. God's wrath is about to fall because of the sin of them lying to people. Amen? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to 1 Kings. Uh, and we may, may finish there. It's just a good story about, uh, about prophets in 1 Kings here, 1 Kings chapter 22. And, um, 
it may be just my twisted sense of humor that thinks it's funny there, uh, but um, it's just a good story because it shows uh, false prophets and how, uh, how they operate. And then we're going to look at, uh, we won't be able to do it today, but we'll look at how do we uh, discern false prophets, right? Because uh, the thing that we don't want to be is suspicious, right? Somebody walks in, I'm a prophet. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you know, I mean, give them a shot at least, right? <clears throat> and so now I know when, when uh, you remember when uh, in 2020 during the election, right? President Trump lost the election and, you know, he lost the election, right? Did he lose it fair and square? I don't know. You know, I suspect maybe there's some shenanigans going on. Did that tip the election? I don't know. Maybe it did. Uh, but then a bunch of prophets stood up and said, thus said the Lord, he will be back in office and by March. March came and went. Thus said the Lord, I've changed my mind. It'll be April. April came and went. Thus said the Lord, sorry, I, I was busy. It's going to be August now. I mean, did it happen at all? No, but they stood up. It will happen. You know, if somebody prophesies and it doesn't happen, you got to question some things, right? You don't go, oh, well, he, you know, God's changed his mind. Did God change? You know, God doesn't change his mind, amen? You got to be really careful about prophesying things and then it'll happen and then stand up and saying, yeah, you know, uh, we got new information. <laughs> Did God not know that before? You know, well, he was going to, but, you know, uh, he was busy. They had a sale at like Hobby Lobby and I was over there doing that, you know, and sorry, I didn't get around to it. And, and so here we are in, in um, 1 Kings chapter 22. So this is, uh, you got the king of Israel and the king of Judah, uh, Ahab, uh, and um, Jehoshaphat are, are the two kings, right? Uh, and so we don't have time to go into all the history of all of those things there. Uh, but uh, there was a war going on, and let's start in verse 2. It says, It came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel, which is Ahab. And, and the king of Israel said unto, unto the servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and, and we be still, and take it not out of the hands of the king of Syria. So they're wanting to, to start war against the, the country of Syria. Uh, and, and Ahab, the king of Israel, is wanting Jehoshaphat to join in with him, right? Hey, go, go to war with me and we'll go attack Assyria and we'll win. Uh, and he said unto Jehoshaphat in verse 4, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. So let's find out for sure if this is right, right? Because, I mean, people say, hey, cool, let's go to war. And, the, and, the, and Jehoshaphat's like, you know, I mean, people die. Let, let's just make sure this is God's will before we do that. Is that reasonable? It's pretty reasonable, right? And so, so it says, Then the king of Israel, verse 6, gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they, the prophets, said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it to the hand of the king. <clears throat> and so uh, then Jehoshaphat, because Jehoshaphat was a pretty good guy. You know, Jehoshaphat was easily swayed by people, like he was being easily swayed by king of Israel. And so, you know, although he was a pretty good fella, he was easily uh, moved by other people's presence, Right? Uh, and so we have to be careful by being easily swayed by a name, a position, a title, you know, the size of somebody's ministry. We, we've got to be careful about being moved by those things. Amen? Because uh, Jehoshaphat was, was kind of easily swayed by that. Uh, but he did, he did say in verse 7, and Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? So the prophets that were there were not prophets of the Lord. They were just prophets. People were saying things, right? And, of course, what did they say? Go up! For the Lord shall deliver it into the hands of the king. And Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, I think I saw you down at, the, at, that, at that pagan temple the other day. I don't, you're not really of the Lord, right? I mean, you're saying it's of the Lord, but I don't think you're of the Lord, right? Uh, and let me see your card. Yeah, why well, you got a Buddha on your card? That's not a God, right? Yeah, that's not our God. <clears throat> and so, so, he, so it's a reasonable request, right? Is, is there any prophets of the Lord? We want to ask of the Lord. <clears throat> and so, and the king of, uh, of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, uh, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. <laughs> That's why I love this story. I hate him. I hate this guy, right? And so the, Ahab's like, uh, yeah, I know one prophet of the Lord, but I hate him. Uh, and so 
for he doth not prophesy good concerning me. Is that the goal? I want prophets to only speak wonderful things to me. Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you. I knew that already, right? Uh, but people love that. Don't people just love all the time when, when, when they're, they're, they're never challenged in church? You know, do better, pray harder, read more. Well, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Oh, I'd rather, oh, you all are just wonderful. You all have nothing to do. You all are perfect just the way you are. God accepts you just the way you are. Don't ever change. Don't ever be better. Oh, I love going to that church. You will die in that church, right? Uh, you will never succeed in any way in a, in a church like that. Amen. Now, it, the opposite is just as bad. You all a bunch of no good sinners. You're never going to amount to anything. You're terrible. God barely even loves you at all. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, you don't want to be there either. Amen. We need to have a balance of, of being exhorted, right? Be encouraged. But sometimes uh, get uh, some slack straightened out of us. Amen. It's a good balance is healthy to all of us. Amen. As long as there's a kind intent behind it, it should be okay. Amen. Uh, and so... But, uh, but the king Ahab, I hate him. For he did not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, uh, let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, hasten hither, uh, Micaiah the son of Imlah. Uh, and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a, in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets, prophets prophesied before them. And so they went and got, they went and got uh, uh, Micaiah, right? And Zedekiah, the son, uh, verse 11, uh, Chaniah made him horns of iron and said, thus saith the Lord. So now, now we've got the prophets. He, he's, he's telling us some of the things that the other prophets were prophesying to the king. So Zedekiah is one of these prophets. He, so he made him a, he made him a, a, a uh, 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 what's that called when, when you have a, uh, something that you're going to show and tell there, that, uh, uh, some kind of a prop there. There's a word for it. I'm thinking of it. We'll, we'll, we'll get it in a minute. Uh, but uh, he, he made him a prop there uh, of horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these shalt thou put the Syrians until you have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into your hands. Uh, and so, so they're all making these props. This is you, king. You're the one, the most wonderful king. You're going to have complete and total victory. Uh, and so... Uh, verse 13, finally they go find Micaiah. The messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophet declare good unto the king with my own mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. Well, now this guy, he's just a messenger telling the prophet, now you make sure you say good things, right? How many times does the church pressure the, the ministry to say good things? You better say good things or you're not going to be invited back, right? Uh, you better say good things to us only. Uh, and they put... Uh, they put the, the ministry gifts under pressure. You better pray and, and see a miracle. We want to see miracles. Or, or you're not going to get invited to lunch. And, and so a lot of ministries, especially we go back to history and read a lot of cases where ministries were feeling the pressure that they've got to perform. Better say, because that's what everybody else is doing. You better do that. And of course, Micaiah, as the Lord liveth, in verse 14, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. So he came to the king. In verse 15, and the king said unto them, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead as a battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hands of the king. And the king said, apparently the king has known Micaiah for a long time, right? And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And so uh, the king's like, You are so lying right now. You did you're saying, go up, and it's going to be good. I know you're lying. You know you're lying. Tell me the truth. And so what does Micaiah do, right? He said, uh, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning uh, but me but evil? I told you he would do this, right? And so what did Micaiah do? Well, he told him the truth. And so, he, of course, he was messing with the king the first time because he knew the king would knew that he was lying, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and if you go over that, we're not going to go through the rest of the story there. If you go through the rest of the story, you'll find out, you know, that the, the Lord set this whole thing up, right? Uh, and so uh, eventually uh, the king died. He, he got killed in battle, just like, uh, just like Micaiah prophesied, amen? Uh, but see, the pressure was he had... 450 other prophets saying wonderful things. What are you going to do? If you're, the, if you're 451, 
and the other uh, guys before you all said wonderful things, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to prophesy the truth, or are you going to prophesy, well, it seems to be the flow. Maybe I missed God. Maybe I didn't say the right thing, right? Uh, and so you know, the, the, point, the point of this whole story here is that a lot of prophets will say things just to make you happy because paychecks keep coming when you make them happy, right? When they, when they make you happy, you'll keep paying them. Uh, and so you, you think that the nation, especially the conservative people, the Christians of the nation, for the most part, wanted President Trump to be the president? Well, we sure didn't want a baby killer in the, in the office, right, in the, in the White House. We didn't want all this other crazy transgender uh, insanity going on uh, that was going to come down the line. Uh, and so no doubt many of them wanted uh, President Trump to be the president. So what did the prophets prophesy? He will be the president because that's what you want to hear. And you'll keep sending me money every month if I say that. Uh, and so and I'm not mad at anybody. And I can't even tell you any names. I just know of, of them, right? And I'm, a, I'm not mad at anybody in particular. But uh, did anybody hear prophets prophesying that President Trump would remain president after the election? I mean, there was a lot of them, right? Uh, and, and what are they saying now? None of, have any got up and repented and say, I missed God, it was wrong. What I said was just out of my emotions and feelings. And what, uh, did, did they desire that? Well, they probably desired that. But you can't prophesy your desires, amen? You prophesy what thus saith the Lord. Uh, and so uh, am I going to say that they're pro- false prophets? I, I'm going to say that they were wrong in that because they were wrong in that. I mean, it's... It's not like it's, it's a, it requires any great judgment to decide that they were wrong. It didn't happen, right? And so they were wrong, uh, amen? Uh, and so, so what I want to go through starting next week is just go through some simple things. To, uh, when, when a prophecy goes forth, what should you do about it? Are you required in the New Testament to accept anything a prophet says? Even if they really are sure enough prophet, even if it's Brother Hagin, are you required by New Testament uh, uh, instructions to accept everything they say without question? No. Uh, just to give you a, 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 quick, uh, uh, a quick insight into that, everything any prophet says, you judge it by the word of God first. Always. Always judge everything ever said, prophesied, anyway, by the, by the word of God first. Does it line up with the word of God in its entirety? Amen? Not just by, by letter, but by principle. Amen? Not like some of the prophets were saying, uh, we need to pray, they, and they were using this Old Testament prayer, we need to pray, Lord, break their teeth. All these people are trying to steal the election. Okay, we live in the New Testament. We walk in love. We pray for our enemies. We pray for those who, who uh, uh, use us and, and, and dis- despitefully use us and abuse us. Amen? We pray for them for good. We don't pray for the Lord to break their teeth. We can ask the Lord to constrain their movement. We can ask the Lord to, to uh, thwart their cause, to make sure that it doesn't come to pass. But we don't pray for the Lord to harm the people. And if I stand up and say, pray that the Lord harms your enemy, well, then that's directly against what the, the master of the head of the church said, pray for your enemies. Amen? If the Lord Jesus said, pray for your enemies for good, not for evil, and then a prophet comes up and says, no, don't pray for your enemies for good. Ask the Lord to break their teeth. I mean, that would immediately violate the word of God. And you should just cancel everything they say about that. Everything they say is of no value. Amen? Well, who are you to, to, to rebuke the prophets? The word of God is rebuking the prophets, not me. I'm not rebuking anybody. The word of God says you love your enemy, then you love your enemy. If your prophet says don't love your enemy, then, then that's not the word of the Lord. And I refuse to listen to it. Amen? And I'm not going to bring anybody in this ministry that will prophesy things that are against the word of God. I don't care what they believe and desire. I don't care what their name is or how, how many hours they're on TV. It doesn't matter because it's going to harm you. Because he said false prophets are sheep or, or wolves in sheep's clothing to devour the church. Devour your, your paycheck, devour your bank account, de- devour uh, uh, you. Amen? And yet, I had other pastors tell me, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to break some teeth. I mean, you know, uh, what in the world? We live in the New Testament. Amen? I was embarrassed that, first of all, a man of God would listen to a so-called prophet that would say such a thing and accept it as gospel. You say something against the Word of God that violates the Word of God, it's over. I mean, there's, I don't even care what, the, what, what you say. I don't care your, your pedigree. I don't care. I, it doesn't matter to me. I serve the Word of God. I serve the Spirit of God only. Amen? Now, I don't serve people. I, don't serve, I mean, I serve people in the sense that we're supposed to serve people, but, but I, you know, my number one, my number one uh, priority is the Word of God. Amen? Everything is judged by the Word of God. And that makes it easy. 
And so, you know, some things, uh, can you say it's the word, anything violating the word of God that says President Trump will be the president in March? No, there's no book, chapter, and verse for that. So you can't judge that by the word of God. But when I say, you pray the Lord breaks your teeth, that is easy to judge by the word of God. Amen? And so uh, we should not be enamored by people. Amen? All of us serve the Lord Most High. Amen? Uh, we don't serve the, these prophets. We don't serve, you don't serve me. Amen? In the sense that, that I'm some, somebody special. I mean, we serve each other because we're servants of the Most High God. But uh, <clears throat> we don't buy these things. Amen? And so we need to look at, because uh, Jesus said, beware of false prophets. So if he said to beware of them, then we need to be on lookout, not suspicious, not, you know, uh, well, I don't believe anything anybody says. Well, you know, then, then you've done away with the ministry of the prophet. Amen. If the prophet speaks, then you judge what they say uh, and you accept it or you reject it. It's as simple as that. It doesn't, uh, you should never say things like, well, the prophet said it, so it's got to be so. That, that, that will lead you to failure in, in a short time. Amen. You take what they say, doesn't matter who said it, whether it's Brother Hagen or, or, or Brother Randy or anybody. You take what they say, always number one, judge it by the word of God. And so we're going to look at and see some things, uh, just some simple steps to go through. Uh, because what we want to do is allow the prophet's ministry to, to be effective and to flourish in the body of Christ. Uh, and, and if we would promote true prophets of God, it would. Amen. But a lot of times we promote people who say they're prophets without, any, without the evidence backing it up. Amen. And so, uh, praise God, uh, uh, we're, we're all good, amen? Not mad at anybody, we need the prophet's ministry, amen? Uh, and so, uh, let's pray, and we'll thank the Lord uh, for the word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God, and Father, we thank you that the true prophets of God will speak only what thus saith the Lord. They will not speak what somebody wants to hear, Father. They will speak only the things which they hear, and they will speak those things which they hear from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will not speak things that he desires. He will also only speak those things which he hears from the Lord Jesus at the head of the church. And so, Father, we thank you that there is a path up to the Father of heaven. That words that are spoken in earth by men, Father, are spoken first in heaven and make their way down to the men on the earth. And so, Father, we will yield only to the words we hear from heaven and not words that we hear that we think men's ears want to hear. And so, Father, in doing so, we will, be, we will be safe, Father. And we will be encouraged. And, Father, will be strengthened and edified and built up and perfected. And we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And, um, you know, especially in our circles, the issue of uh, false prophets, you know, a fairly, fairly big issue, I think, right? Because, I mean, if the Word of God has a lot to say about it, then apparently it's a big issue, amen? And the Word of God does have a lot to say about it. Uh, and so, again, we won't go through everything the Word of God says because, I mean, we could be here for a long time just on that topic. So uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive... Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. So you you said you sold the vehicle for more than you paid for it, uh, and you don't feel bad about that at all, huh? <laughs> well, praise God. That's a real blessing. Amen. Uh, and so, well, the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and He's He's always so good. Uh, and he's always faithful, amen? If we'd just be half as faithful as he was, uh, we'd do all right, amen? And so we, we thank the Lord for that. Uh, and do you all have just a minute after, uh, we're going to turn off the, uh, uh, the streaming service here. Do you all have just another minute? Uh, I got something I was going to ask you all about that we're not going to put on, online there. So are we, are we off the grid, Jared? Are we off online? All right. And so um, we've, got, we've got a, uh, 